You're listening to Weird Medicine with Dr. Steve on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic echographic and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease, so I'm paging Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve! No, it's... Oh, God, what a... <laughs> Lord... It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Tacey, my delightful wife of wives. Hello, Tacey. Hello, Steve. I've been married to you longer than i ever been married to anybody. Well, in that song. Oh, hell. Uh, this is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you've got a question you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call. Three four seven seven six six four three two three. That's three four seven Poohhead. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcast, medical news, and stuff you can buy. Or go to our merchandise store, cafepress.com slash weird medicine. You know what? Don't do that. Just go to stuff.drsteve.com. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything here with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse, practitioner, physician, assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, or whatever. All right. Don't forget feels.com slash fluid for 50% off. 50% off your first order if you sign up for a subscription. It's a broad spectrum uh, CBD oil. And uh, it's a little tincture, and you put a little under your tongue, and it's quite delightful. And it's a pretty dang good deal, Steve. It, it's a dang good deal. And then if you do the subscription, you still get a, a a discount. I was surprised. I got mine the other day, and it was a lot less than I thought it was going to mm-hmm. be. So uh, I was very impressed. I mean, CBD's <clears throat> not cheap. It is not cheap, but this is not expensive, these guys. So uh, and, and the continuing discount, that is awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. Also, oh, go ahead. And you you don't know what you're getting in so many places that have it, you know. So this is true. And if if you sell CBD in your vape shop, I'm sure you're fine. It's not you. It's the person that or the the people who are selling it to those places. A lot of times you, you don't know who they are. And the FDA has pulled some quite a lot of it off the shelf saying that it's not what it says it is so just be careful there are ways to vet these suppliers and to have them show you their data and all that stuff so if you're going to do cbd just get it from a reputable place and make sure that they're getting it from a reputable place do you know when i was so anxious last night and could not sleep i could have done cbd well you could why i wonder why you didn't 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 think think of it it. yeah too worried about everything else yeah Yep, old taste was uh, getting a little, uh, little um, anxious last night. Mm-hmm. A lot of things to be anxious about, but there you go. But one thing not to be anxious about is shopping at Amazon. And if you're going to do that, please go to stuff.drsteve.com. Stuff.drsteve.com. You can scroll down and see all the things that we talk about on this show. 
I think we even had a coronavirus survival section, but now things have gotten so much better as far as toilet paper and stuff. But there are, uh, I think the Tushy Bidet is on there, mm-hmm. which we have yet to install ours because the urgency is not quite there. But I will do it. I'll do it tonight. And uh, tweakedaudio.com, offer code F-L-U-I-D. That's offer code FLUID for 33% off. I don't even know if we're getting anything from that anymore, but they're, they've been so good to us, I'll still plug them. And uh, if you want to hit your ideal body weight, do it with me. Do it with Noom, N-O-O-M, .drsteve.com for 20% off if you decide to pay. But you get two weeks free. And even if you don't do it, you can still use the app. Exactly. So uh, Noom is awesome. It's not a diet. It's a psychology app. Check it out. And uh, what else you got to do right now? We can't do anything. You might as well lose weight and get to your ideal body weight. And uh, you can also go to our website and get archives of the show, Why Would You? But for, uh, there's a link in the middle of the page, and you can get every podcast that we've ever done. There's like 400 of them. It's about 18 gigs of material on a thumb drive, and I'll usually throw in a little something. And this week, we're throwing in weird medicine face masks. So if, if you go to the store wearing one of these, you will get noticed, but it won't be in a good way because you'll look <laughs> no. like a dang nut. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, one of our listeners uh, does these kinds of things for a living, and uh, there you go. So we've got a few people out there with those things. More of a collector's item than anything else, but if you want it, you can have it. Uh, go to drsteve.com, and uh, that's while supplies last. We have a few of those left. And don't forget to check out... Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. Um, I say Dr. Scott, and you may go, who? Yeah, he, he used to be on the show. It seems like it was a million years ago. It does. really does. It's really just been, what, nine? no, 12 weeks, 13 weeks? About that, yes. 14 weeks. That's a long time, though. And uh, anyway, um, did I read this letter from Hugh last time? We had a letter from a guy, and he said, thanks, dear Dr. Steve, thanks for bringing your better half on the show. To me, she sounds like her mom, Big Joe, Yes, took yes, a limitless pill. Oh, I did? <laughs> okay, I can remember if I did. Well, somebody said that... Um, I can't imagine her eating a fried bologna sandwich, but I bet as a kid she did. Yes, I did read that. Yes. Mm-hmm. For people who don't know, this is Big Joe. Contains mature contents that uh, may be offended to some listeners. <laughs> what did they wrong then? You know, your old house is like another. You know what was funny to me was that people wrote to me saying we can't understand anything that she's saying. No, and it's Isn't that no funny? problem for us. No, and so. Being from the South, when Honey Boo Boo was on, <laughs> it used to make me laugh that he, her or what was her name, mom's name, Mama June or whatever. Yeah. And they'd just be talking and there'd be subtitles. It's like, why are they putting subtitles under there? <laughs> so they sound totally <laughs> normal to normal me. normal to us. <laughs> but to everybody else, it just sounded like, dap, 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 dap. <laughs> Mama June's got a crack issue now. What? Oh, no, yeah. Allegedly, right? No, I'm pretty sure. Well, <laughs> because a friend of mine actually watches um the show there's still a show there's still a show um but it's more about mama june and mama june got in got into cahoots with some uh ne'er-do-well boyfriend what and um yeah and so 
she's got like this drug habit. Oh, my goodness. Oh, well, okay. TMZ. Okay, this is according to TMZ. Which is true, always. <laughs> Mama June arrested for crack cocaine. Oh. Mm-hmm. And when I went to visit my friend, um, she made me watch the show a couple of times, and Mama June wouldn't show up for her court date. Oh, no, you have to show up for your court date. Yeah. Well, she po- didn't in that episode. <laughs> Poor old Mama June. I don't know anything about. It. I've never. Well, okay. I knew. I've watched it enough that I knew that they ran subtitles, but I never followed that show. Mm-hmm. The one I liked was Monster Hunters, because now those guys were people we know, and I don't mean we actually in real life know those people, but the archetypes. Was of it those called people. Monster Hunters? Mountain Monster Hunters, or yeah, something Mountain. Like that? Mountain something hunter, yes, and our boys adored that show also, and and they're good contraptions. But they, you know, they would make every show. They would make a contraption to to capture these monsters, and they were big on Bigfoot. But then one time, they were going to find. Uh, they made a trap for the chupacabra, right? The devil dog, <laughs> and they built it. And they, oh, there's something going on up there. There's something going on. And they went running after it. <clears throat> and then they found that the, the, <laughs> the, the, the contraption that they made was all busted up. And their reasoning was, or their excuse was, that Bigfoot let it out. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, um, that was a great show. Oh, my God. It was the greatest. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say you can't make that stuff up, except that's all they were doing was making up stuff. And they would go to counties around this area. Yes. And so, you know, they're, they are our neighbors. Yes. I oh, mean, no, we know these mm-hmm. people. Yes, we do. <laughs> they're elusive, remember? Yeah. Our oh, that was Pickle. your buddy. Yeah, Pickle. Yeah. Tacey had a friend, and his name seriously was Pickle. <laughs> Nicest guy, and he was he was very idiosyncratic. He was a big fan of Bigfoot and Bigfoot shows, and uh, also the mermaid. Oh, was he? See, yes. I never talked mm-hmm. to him about that. Yeah, but I I remember saying, Pickle, if if there was a Bigfoot out there, wouldn't we not? Why haven't we found one? And his answer was, Well, Bigfoot's pretty elusive. <laughs> He can't argue with that. (laughs) So we didn't. How can I trust you? Well, I'm trustworthy. Oh, those were good times. Yeah. So anyway, old pickle. Well, um, a couple of stories in the news. COVID-19 antibodies may fade in as little as two months, study says. So what does that mean, Steve? Uh, First off, the key word is may and in as little as. In other words, they don't know. Okay. Okay. But the study's authors are saying the results caution against immunity passports, which I've been cautioning against from the beginning. Not because of this, though. So um, when, you, when you get a antibody test and you just go out and get an antibody test, you never were sick or maybe you were sick back in January and you didn't know and you go get the antibody test and it comes back showing IgG antibodies. So there are some people that say, well, I've had it. I can't get it. The problem with that thinking is that, um, oh, and I had a friend, by the way, who 
said, my doctor said, this was the good test, and it shows conclusively that I had it and I can't get it again. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I said, send me the test that they actually did. Call the office. Find out what the brand name of the test was and what it was called. And he did, and he sent it to me. And I went to their website, the website of the manufacturer, and there on the website it clearly said this antibody test may cross-react with other COVID, or not COVID, with other non-COVID coronaviruses, you know, the more quote-unquote benign ones that cause a common cold. So there's just a lot of malarkey out there. Tons of malarkey. The, the way to determine whether your test, by the way, is specific for SARS-CoV-2 antibodies is to test it against blood that was drawn maybe two years ago before this virus even existed on this earth. And uh, that would be very easy to do. And um, there's there are preserved specimens out there that would still have antibodies in them. And if none of them show up anything, then you can maybe start saying, yeah, this thing is probably for real. So are you saying when you get blood taken, they actually save some of it and store it? Oh, well, there's research labs where they've got blood that's been drawn and they've, they're storing it for whatever reason. But not specifically like your no, blood. No, 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 my, no. Not, I no. thought that would. No, but that would be great because a lot of times I'll call down uh, if I'm on the floor and there's, I wanted to see what the person's amphetamine level was on admission. And I called down, hey, do, do you all have any blood left from admission? It's like, no. You know, we, we, we used it and got rid of it after two days Good. or whatever. So. And that'll vary from lab to lab. But so some of these IgG tests that are positive, I, I've always counseled that those antibody tests really only tell you something if you're stone cold negative. If you're stone cold negative, then you got to be careful. If you're stone cold positive, you know, the most positive test, that doesn't mean that you're immune. It probably does. But it doesn't necessarily mean it. So then you have to decide, well, am I going to take that risk? It's just like everything else with this virus. We just don't know. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff we don't know. We know some stuff. But with certainty, I mean, in this world, it's hard to know much of anything with certainty, to be honest with you. One thing that drives me crazy talking to people um, about this is... um, how they're like, oh, well, you're young enough. It's not going to get you. But I, I don't, I don't want to get it. I don't want to be right. in the hospital for a week or two weeks. Well, or and then a you month. give it to me, and I am at high I, risk. I don't want. I don't want. I just don't want to deal with it. So I would really prefer to not get it, regardless yep. of my age. And I don't understand why that's an okay thought. Well, I'm not worried about the virus. It won't kill me, but it might make you pretty miserable. And it may kill you. The, mm-hmm. the death rate is only approaches zero in people under 10 and that's not even exactly zero no it's not and it's rising i mean not the death rate but the number of cases amongst young people because they can't be do it nice and polite (laughs) and they can't just i don't know if it's that they just they just are naughty they're just naughty because you know well everybody's invincible at that age i guess sure there was magical thinking when i was that age um, I thought I would never die and nothing would ever happen to me, mm-hmm. you know? So, and so I understand that. And it is, there have been some pundits that have said, look, this rise in cases among the young is actually a good thing because they are less likely to die from it. 
and uh, that means that the older people are still staying in, in place and being careful, and the people that aren't going to be as affected are out there living their lives, and they're catching this thing, but most of them are doing okay with it. But, um, <clears throat> you know, you still see hospitalizations on the increase. I, I'll skip to this other thing, and then we'll come back to this antibody thing. This is uh, from uh, the... Um, Always accurate CNN, but they're, you know, their online presence isn't too bad. As Florida emerges from its coronavirus shutdown, the state is experiencing a surge of COVID-19 cases with younger Floridians accounting for a significant number of positive tests. So there you go, Tate. The Florida Department of Health reported an additional 3,286 cases of coronavirus on Tuesday. Now we're recording this on Wednesday, June 24th, bringing the state total to 100,000. Medical experts have attributed the rising numbers to a combination of more testing. Of course, the more testing you do, the uh, more cases you'll find until you get to uh, uh, a point of saturation. But also more social contact as businesses reopen and in recent weeks to people's participation in large uh, group gatherings like protests and all that kind of stuff, although that's not been clearly established. Yes. Uh, the things that I read were talking about, um, a lot of them were talking about how the protests have actually not increased the number of viruses. Yeah, I haven't seen a whole lot, um, of, a, a, a lot of stuff on that. But uh, going to bars has. Yes. So th- when I've seen a lot of the protests, people are wearing masks. I've seen that, too. Which is uh, interesting because, you know, if you don't want to uh, be identified, it's, you know, wear a mask. You know, I, I went to the bank today and uh, the lobby is closed. But I, so I had to go through the teller thing. I had to get into my safe deposit box and I had to wear a mask. You have to wear a mask to go to the bank now. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, if I'd walked in there with a thing, they like I, I maybe I said this before, they'd be putting the blue dye in a bag and handing me a bag of money and trying to get me out of there. Mm-hmm. So it is sort of interesting. It's topsy-turvy world, taste. It is topsy-turvy world. And <clears throat> I don't understand why. I do understand why we're reopening because we can't shut everything down. People no, need to. to work. And we have to reopen. But the cases are... Are going crazy, and it's uh, it just it's making me nervous. Yeah. So, well, let's just think about it. <clears throat> I'm looking at um, total hospitalized patients cumulative over time in Florida because they're not reporting current hospitalized uh, patients nor new cases, but I can infer it from uh, so on six twenty three. They had had thirteen thousand. 614 people admitted to the hospital for COVID-19 since the beginning of this. And I go back to 622, it was 13,407. So uh, there was about 207 people admitted overnight for COVID-19 in the whole state of Florida. Whereas the um, day before that was uh, 325 and then 227. So, and then uh, 62. So this is sort of a linear increase. It's a little bumpy, but it's mostly linear. The slope's staying about the same. They're getting about 100 to 200 new admissions every day. Now, uh, the other thing that we want to look at is new deaths. So new deaths are completely flat. The curve, if you look at the 20-day smooth-moving average, and by the way, if you want to play with these numbers, 
Go to our friend Daniel Stout. He's been on the show multiple times. Go to uh, covid.stoutlabs.com, and you can play with all these numbers and do this a simple moving average and the Bollinger Bands and all the stuff that we talk about on the uh, situation reports on uh, YouTube. Anyway, uh, new deaths staying about the same. Now, they had a spike yesterday, but this could be just reporting. Um, they they had 55 deaths on the 16th, and they had 67 deaths on the 23rd. So we'll just have to watch this over time. But I'm not seeing an alarming trend in new deaths yet. But uh, the next two weeks will really tell the tale. All right? All right. And we're going to South Kakalaki in uh, a few days and uh they're on the list they're on my list of states Places to not go to <laughs> yes, that are having <laughs> i mean we're doing it too i, I, I know. well we're going to be careful we are we talked about careful. it last time we don't have to go over it again nope. but we're planning on going well there. we do need to go over it again but for our own for us okay so we'll not, do it for us yeah well not not today not uh-huh. on the show but later i'm sure we'll talk about it a million times and rationalize how it's okay yeah yeah Yeah. well we won't be working although i'll still be on 24 7 phone call but it's still i won't be able to actually do anything because i can say hey i'm in south carolina i'll find somebody to help you do x y or z Mm -hmm. although i remember one year i had to do an ethics committee meeting (laughs) while sitting at the bar next to the pool, which was a pretty nice way to do it, and it lasted so long, I chalked it up to an extra, to an actual day of work. I didn't take PTO that day. It was, I remember that. So it wasn't so bad, but um, yeah. So we're going to shelter in place. We're going to get uh, Publix to deliver our groceries, and you know we'll m- maybe go out a couple of times. Our favorite restaurant. Down there at Sullivan's Island, by the way, is everyone's favorite restaurant. This isn't sticking her neck out, is the Obstinate Daughter. Now, if you've ever been there, they have this thing called. Um, Can you please stop Okay, okay, all right. They have this thing called. Um, God damn, this is about as boring as. Okay, okay, okay. I'll, 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 okay. I mean, so, finish the sentence. So this, uh, they make this thing called uh, braised short ribs with ricotta gnocchi, right? Mm, that's what I get every time. It's sick. It's so good. But if you've ever been there and wondered, can you make it at home? The answer is an emphatic yes. And I have, I created. Well, I mushed a couple of recipes together. To recreate it, and actually, I think ours was even slightly better because I did it bone in where they don't, and um, it was uh, outstanding. P. A. John, I made it for them for what Christmas was it? New Year's. Was it New Year's? Mm-hmm. P. A. John, who never really says m- much nice about anything, to really be <laughs> honest about it, said that was one of the best meals he's ever had in his life. So he kept it, talking about flavors. Remember? I know, I know. <laughs> oh, the, the, you know, anyway, <laughs> the cacophony of flavors in my mouth is just, you know, it's like, shut up, John. Cacophony. It was I think like he called a, it an, an explosion. Yeah. Those colors are so vibrant. Uh, that was a uh, double vasectomy turd, as I recall. At his uh, at his wedding shower, talking about some ceramic bowls that they got. And, oh, these are wonderful. The colors are so vibrant. It's just shut up. Just say thank you. Anyway, 
um, yeah, so if you want the recipe, email me, and I'll send it to you. It's long, and it's involved. It takes you a while, and it's handmade gnocchi made out of ricotta cheese. But it is absolutely worth the effort if you want to impress somebody. If you want to totally get you some. Right, Tace? That's right, Steve. Okay. I'm not sure if it worked for you. It but didn't. That's <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let me see. Okay. Uh, we've just gone downhill. This is a terrible show. <laughs> That's our new drop, by the way. I'm going to have to work that. It, it actually sounds like we're saying that. So it doesn't really work. Well, it's true. But one of our listeners cut that up and sent it to us. Let's hear it again. Okay. Uh, we've just gone downhill. This is a terrible show. <laughs> this is terrible. Uh, I think what I'm going to do is just isolate out this is a terrible show. Okay. Okay. You do whatever you want. Okay. Thank you. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Yes. All right. Um, let's get back to the antibody story, and then we'll take some of your questions. So it says, as the world grapples with ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, a new study suggests that antibodies, the proteins produced by the immune system that can grant protection against reinfection, may fade in as little as two months after infection in certain people who have recovered from the virus. So now, now all of a sudden, it's not only May, but it's just certain people. Uh, the study was conducted in China and published in Nature Medicine. Specifically, the study's authors found that people with COVID-19 who never developed symptoms, oh, so it's not everybody, it's the asymptomatic people, may see their antibodies fade more quickly than those who tested positive for the virus. And also came down with his telltale symptoms. Well, that makes sense because you are um, the symptoms mostly come from the body's response to the virus, not so much from the virus itself. So you would think that the more symptomatic you are, the heftier the immune response is. And in fact, the people who are nearly dying or who do die from this, they don't die just really from the virus. They're dying from the immune systems over reaction to the presence of the virus. Hence, last week's discussion about dexamethasone, which decreases uh, mortality by decreasing the body's overreaction to uh, 
to the presence of the virus and decreases the damage to the kidneys and other uh, organs, particularly blood vessels. Anyway, the study, though small and with limitations, uh-oh. Well, now, wait a minute. Now, this, this headline says COVID-19s may fade in as little as two months, study says. It's, it's not a completely misleading clickbait title, but I'm getting less and less worried about this as the time goes on. Uh, the, the study, though small and with limitations, provides greater insight to a topic that mystifies scientists examining this new coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2. Most people who have recovered from COVID-19 develop antibodies, but the extent and duration of that protection remains unknown. We do know, Tace, that if we give people convalescent serum, in other words, plasma from people who have recovered from COVID-19 and give that to people who are sick with this, they tend to get better. We don't have... Um, perfect data on it yet, but uh, it certainly conveys some protection. And just because your antibodies fade does not mean that you're not immune or that you can't mount, and let me, let me, let me back that up, that you can't mount an effective immune response because the B cells in your bone marrow and in circulating that produce antibodies um, can do so on a moment's notice, and it's you don't have to have a huge titer of antibodies floating around for those things to still be activated if the virus comes back. So there are all these cases, in particularly in China, because they had it earlier than we did, so they've had more long-term data, where people tested negative and then later on tested positive for the virus. Not a single one of those people were sick. They just tested positive for the virus. So I, ultimately, we don't care. Well, we care, but we don't care so much that you can be reinfected by the virus. What we do care about is you're going to get. Are you going to get sick? Are you going to spread it to other people? Are you going to be hospitalized? And are you going to die? If none of those things are true, then just simply being reinfected and then it, the body takes a day to clear it rather than, uh, you know, prevents the infection altogether. Who cares? You know, so that's um, I'm just waiting for you to say. Something oh, I've got nothing that. to say. Sorry. <laughs> it's OK. So researchers. Uh, compared the immune response of 37 asymptomatic people diagnosed with COVID-19 to 37 symptomatic patients in the Wanzhou district of China. 40% became negative for antibodies early on in their recovery, compared to just 13% of people who developed symptoms. So the asymptomatic patients also reported lower levels of cytokines. We've talked about cytokine storm. That's when you have too many cytokines. These are small proteins released by different cells in the body with, uh, in response to infection. They basically mediate the inflammatory response. And uh, the, so the data suggests that asymptomatic people had a weaker immune response to the virus. It doesn't mean that they can get sick again. So we'll see. We'll, we'll know much more when we have a lot more long-term data. All right? So I'm not so worried about this yet. Okay, now, there are some things that you can get multiple times. Um, and uh, there are other things that you can't, mm -hmm. you know, for example. I mean, go ahead. So, yeah. like, when you get a cold, there are so many different strains of right. colds. Who the it's, hell? So you don't even know. Okay. You don't even know. There's adenoviruses. There's, 
coronavirus, rhinoviruses, and then there's coronaviruses and all these things. And we don't test for them because there's no treatment for them. And it's mainly there's no treatment for them because nobody cares about a cold very much. It is interesting to note, however, that even the benign coronaviruses, the other strains that we think of as being the quote-unquote good coronaviruses compared to the SARS and MERS and SARS-CoV-2 coronaviruses, those cause deaths, too. There's probably about 10,000 coronavirus deaths in the United States every year. But they just get lost in the noise with all the influenza and uh, heart attacks and strokes and pneumonias and stuff. So they're not as benign as one would think. Likewise, uh, herpes. Just take a quick leap. Herpes simplex 2, people think of it as the quote-unquote bad herpes because it infects your junk. Whereas herpes simplex 1, well, you just get lip herpes from that, so that, that's the good one. But the one that causes herpes encephalitis, infection of the brain, which can cause uh, horrible uh, encephalopathy or uh, mental, mental status changes and even death, is herpes simplex 1. Oh. And if you think about it, it's proximity to the brain. Exactly. Uh, it's got a lot farther to travel from your jungle area than to, to get to the brain. Although, let us not forget that just because herpes simplex 1 pre- prefers the lip, it will also live in the jungle area. It just doesn't like it as much, and it won't be as virulent. You won't get as many outbreaks, and the ones that you get won't be as severe. Likewise, herpes simplex 2 will live on the lip, but the same, the same caveats apply. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing our Life 360 go off. I mean, I don't know what's going on at our house. That means our son has probably left the house. Anyway. All right. Uh, I was just uh, past studies on SARS and MERS, two related coronaviruses that have led to prior outbreaks, and people have found their antibodies last for at least a year. In comparison, this study suggests antibody levels of the new virus may drop much more quickly. Well, maybe. It was how many patients did we say it was? Less than 100? 37, 37 people. Let's not get all excited. Okay, that's not how science works. All right, it is interesting finding, but it's in no way conclusive, and we will know the answer to this before before it's over. Okay, all right, very good. Um, you ready to take some questions? Yeah, let's do Number it. one thing, don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. That's right. That means you, Taste. That means you. <laughs> oh, this one, here, you can answer this one. Whoops. Uh-oh. Oh, here we go. Well, we better talk for a minute because um, this poor old Mac. I'm, when we go to the beach, by the way, I'm taking this Mac in to da, see if they can Yeah, that's CQ. Anyway, this is your new in-the-field reporter. Oh. Got a question for you about <laughs> medical stuff. Oh, okay, it's Stacy Deloach, everyone. <laughs> Buying into the bid, I guess. Dang. Read a study the other day that said something about why men don't go to the doctors near as often as women do. Actually, about 33% less than women. Is it that we're just embarrassed to go to the doctor and ask about stuff? Or what do you think it is? Why, why are we more ashamed or embarrassed to go talk to somebody about something? Just curious about it. 73, old man. See you. 73 and 88's good, good buddy. Oh, that's CB lingo. Sorry. 
7-3 means best wishes in ham radio lingo taste. Oh, good. Good to know. But the the CB guys used to, when I was on there all the time, go threes and eights to ye. Do you remember when you tried to get me uh, a ham radio license? <laughs> no, I do not remember this. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work out well. Well, it was before the age of cell phones, Do you I'm remember sure. when you had me have one in my minivan? I sort of vaguely remember mm-hmm. that. Did I have you have one in there, or was it just in there? No, no. You you put it in there. Why did we do that? Why did I, I do that? Because you wanted me to get my... Ham radio license? Mm-hmm. And I had to go to a <laughs> class once. <laughs> it was horrible. Well, let me tell you something. Back in the day, before cell phones, ham radio saved my butt so many times because I always had crappy cars. And they'd break down, and they'd break down the worst places. I'd get on the ham radio and say, hey, my car broke down, and they'd come, listen to this, they'd come get me. And uh, I remember one guy took took us to the uh, car, car dealer to get it fixed. Are you going to go investigate? Is that what you're doing? Okay. I'll just tell everybody. To the car dealership uh, and dropped us off, took us to his house, fed us lunch, took us back. It was awesome. I was in Asheville, North Carolina, and um, so the ham radio thing really did make a big difference. But the cell phone and the um, Internet killed ham radio for a lot of people. It's still fun, though. If you want a cool hobby where you can just do stuff that's has less meaning now than it did, as far as, you know, during disaster, uh, you know, if you have... If you have a disaster where there's a hurricane or a tornado and the cell towers are down and there's no power, ham radio still can be a, a great help uh, in coordinating disaster relief. And they still will, there are these things called ARIES, area something, something, an emergency something. And... Um, They'll have these drills where they'll have a disaster and then they'll coordinate and they get up on these they'll they'll form these ad hoc networks of people and it's really cool if you want to do something civic minded that's pretty technical ham radio is a cool thing plus they have all these digital modes now so you can hook it up to your computer you don't have to talk to people you just get on your computer and uh, and talk to people plus it is quite the challenge to try to bounce a signal off the moon and talk to somebody. Uh, on the other side of the country, that's pretty effing cool when you think about it. But mm-hmm. it is really uber geeky mm-hmm. type of hobby at that point. Yeah. I heard all this 15 years ago <laughs> when you tried to get me to do it. Actually, it was more like 18 years ago. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. So anyway, that was just in case something bad happened in your cell phone. And I don't think, did we have cell phones then? Um, yes. Oh, we did. Well, then it was, it was stupid. But anyway. So let's get back to yep. Stacy's question. So what keeps men from seeking care? And when you ask men why they don't get routine medical care, like annual physicals, men a lot of times will report that they have a busy schedule or something. Um, so researchers looked into this and they discovered there are some common themes popping up around this. And one of those in Harvard uh, and Rutgers um, published a study that showed men who self-report traditional views on masculinity, that's me, Tace, are also less likely to get consistent health care. 
there appears to be correlation between holding the belief that men should be strong and self-reliant. Well, we all should be strong and self-reliant. I don't see that as a bad thing. Uh, but slow to show emotion and resisting routine exams. That's interesting. Many men also report a fear of diagnosis. I don't see how that's different for men or women. More than 20% of responders said being nervous to find out what could be wrong was a roadblock to scheduling an annual exam. So I do see people who are in denial. They've got a symptom and they just continue to deny, 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 hoping it will go away. And then uh, sometimes, it, you know, they show up and it's been too late. You say, well, what took you so long to come? You've had these symptoms for two years. Well, I didn't want to know what it was. Yes. So, but if you're feeling that way, by the way, um, you want to know what it is early. If, if you think it's, listen, if it's something that's bad enough that you don't want to know what the answer is, then you do want to know. Because if you, if you keep... Any, if, and most of the time it's going to be cancer that people are worried about like that where they're having these vague symptoms. Cancer caught early is curable almost all the time. We, if, if, we, if you do your colonoscopy like you're supposed to and you've got a cancerous polyp in there or a precancerous polyp, a lot of times they'll just go in and snip it off and then it's done. You're done. You don't have to do anything done. else. Mm-hmm. Um. But if you wait until it becomes uh, uh, outside of the colon and now some of those cells have gotten into your bloodstream and set up residency in your liver, that's not curable now. You know, with our present technology, it will be someday, but it isn't now. So anytime you feel like I don't want to go to the doctor because I don't know, that's a signal to yourself. I need to... Um, uh, disobey this command from that part of my brain and just go. You know, mm-hmm. vaginal bleeding when you're postmenopausal. That's not your period coming back. Something going on. Maybe just a polyp, a benign polyp on your cervix, but it may be endometrial cancer. So go get it checked out. How long would you say you needed to wait after menopause? So, like, periods <clears throat> can come. Yeah. Would you wait? How how do you know if you're through menopause? Well, Say you haven't had a period for a year and one pops up. Yeah, Does then that... I would get that checked. Okay, I would. Yeah, yeah. GYNs may may disagree with me, but I'm pretty conservative on that. It never hurts to go to your GYN. Say I hadn't had a period in a month. I'm having one now. Check me out. Particularly, of course, if if it's more than scant bleeding. If it's just if you have a day where it's just spotting and you don't see it again, you can probably not have to run to the gynecologist and get that checked out. But particularly if you're having heavy flow after that long of a time, you could have an ovarian cyst. I guess you could have a endocervical polyp. It's really easy to to um, get this doped out and figure out what it is. And again, caught early, these things are curable if it's something bad. Okay. Okay. And, you know, we haven't talked about our friend, Dr. K, who used to be on this show. And this is probably a good time to talk about it. Uh, Dr. K, uh, for the longtime listeners, was a chiropractor who listened to the show. And she stopped being on the show when she got breast cancer. And she fought it really hard for a long-ass time and recently succumbed to, uh, to her disease. And it was very sad for everybody. And uh, she, you know... She was she was here so much back then. She was on our logo, 
So, but that was years and years ago. People don't remember her that, you know, are more newer listeners. But anyway, so um, we're very sad about the passing of our friend, Dr. K. And uh, uh, she was just a, just a good, nice, sweet person. She would tell you, though, that she waited too long to get something, looked, you know, the lump looked at because she had it for at least six months before she um, got it checked. And it was one of those situations where, oh, it'll be fine, you know. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, uh, try, if you have a symptom, to, in summary, if you have a symptom and you don't want to know the answer because you're worried it's something bad, that's a signal you need to go get it checked out. All right. So uh, men are twice as likely to wait more than two years between doctor visits. In fact, all the reasons li- uh, that, they, that we talked about above and uh, more than 40% of men don't go to the doctor at all unless they have a serious issue on their hands. So there is this um, organization called the USPSTF, and they look at all the data and decide what good data is out there for screening, okay? And there is some really good data, and it's not that much. We don't, you don't have to go and get that executive physical like my dad used to get with the treadmill and the EKG and the colonoscopy if it's not your time to get it, all that stuff. There's just a few things that you can do that really will impact your longevity and not just living long but your quality of life. One of those is obviously not smoking. Another one of those is attaining your ideal body weight but getting screened for diabetes, if you catch diabetes early, just like cancer, it's it can be curable if it's type two, and it, but it certainly is very treatable. High blood pressure, but they'll screen you for high, how do they do that? They check your blood pressure. I mean, it's, it's this is not all crazy stuff. People that get this idea, I'm going to go get a physical, and they're just going to be pawing all over your body and doing all these invasive things. It's not really that way. You can get away with just a few things and really improve your quality of life. Plus, after the Affordable Care Act, one of the great things about the Affordable Care Act is pretty much all insurances now have to pay for uh, yearly uh, health maintenance screening. So go get those things done. Okay. Is that like blood work and? Yeah, blood work, blood, you know, a, 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 health, a, a yearly physical, we would call mm-hmm. that. So you just go, get your uh, blood pressure checked. They might do a little bit of blood. Maybe they'll check your prostate uh, and uh, do a couple, you know, check some pulses in your legs, you know, compared to your arms and some stuff like that. Just real simple things that can make a huge difference. And if you're at risk for for cancer, getting you screened for those things. And if they find it, good. You know, if you're more likely to die from something and you know it if you're at high risk of um, (coughs) sorry these damn allergies this year they're the worst no well we haven't had rain in a long time i mean a long time yeah now that's what it is isn't it Mm -hmm. i just feel like there's just dust in my whole upper respiratory tract anyway if you're at high risk for something you're less likely to die from it as long as you do the follow-up that you're supposed to do. People with, there's a disease called familial polyposis. And these people have tons of polyps in their colon. They're at high risk of getting colon cancer. Guess what? They're less likely to die from it because they get a colonoscopy every year. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. So anyway. 
All right. Hi, Dr. Steve. This is Hannah from Minnesota. Hello, Hannah. How are you? <laughs> Good, thank you. Good. I hope you and Taze are well. Yeah, we're doing fine. I just fine have a things. quick question These for you. People are hilarious. Um, do they intubate patients when you're getting your wisdom teeth taken out? Um, if so, then that answers my question. But if not, <laughs> then how the hell do you not lose your airway when you get sedated for your wisdom teeth removal? Aha. Uh-huh. Love to hear your answer. I uh, hope you guys are staying safe. Thanks for the show and for the laugh. Bye-bye. Thank you. What is the... I don't, I'm not sure what anybody's laughing at on this show, unless they're laughing at us. <laughs> that could be it. Just like this lady. <laughs> All right. Um, that's an excellent question. And it actually reflects a little bit of uh, just an, maybe a somewhat malformed image of what they do when you have your wisdom teeth removed. Have you ever had yours removed? I don't even know. I don't have any. You just... You never grew any? any. No. What kind of dang inbreed are you? I don't know. You're from the center of tranquility and consanguinity. (laughs) I think your mom and your dad may have been Uh... related. (laughs) Well, I wonder what side of the family that comes from. I don't know. Did your mom have wisdom teeth? I don't know. She has her own teeth, though, right? You can ask her when she comes over tonight. Oh. I'll be drinking. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, well, anyway, so I had my wisdom teeth removed. I was wide awake when I had them removed. And uh, they just uh, did a, you know, a, a dental block or whatever. And what was weird about mine was apparently my roots were pretty deep. And I had all these nurse or uh, dental hygiene students watching this MD, uh, DDS do. So he was an, a medical doctor and a and a and a dentist at the same time. And I got it done free because I was at University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And if you were a student, you could go, and as long as you let them teach stuff, they would do it at a discounted price. I think I got mine for free. And um, so he numbed me up, and then he's in there, and he's like, oh, and you could hear him grunting, going, like that, and my mouth's wide open, and I see these dental students, and they're all going, ew, ew, like that. (laughs) And it's like, that's not what I want to be seeing when someone's got a wrench in my mouth. Mm -hmm. But you can breathe. You can still, even if they occluded your whole mouth, you you can breathe through your nose. So like with our son, but... He was put to sleep, So correct? Yes. Now, he had what's called conscious sedation. So there, uh, there is conscious sedation, and then there's general anesthesia. So conscious sedation, you're just out and goofy, but you can still breathe. You're all, your um, breathing mechanism still works. You may even be able to talk. You just won't remember it when it's over. They'll do that for colonoscopies. Because you could ask the same question. They do sedation for those. Uh, upper endoscopies, where they're actually sticking a fiber optic scope down your, you know, uh, down your throat into your stomach. So and you can breathe propofol? past that, too. Can be. Or oh. it, it, it could, the, the three biggies are um, uh, uh, midazolam. All I had in my head was the trade name, which is Versed. Uh, propofol. 
and uh, which was Michael Jackson's Magic Milk. Mm-hmm. And then I think they'll also sometimes in the outpatient setting use fentanyl, but I'm not sure about that. <clears throat> but uh, those are the two big ones, is our Versed and Propofol. And I can attest, having had it done to me, that you don't know what the hell's happening. I remember my last upper endoscopy, because I'll, I'll have anesthesia for that. I don't have anesthesia for my colonoscopies. And uh, I was, they laid me on my side. They said, we're going to give you some medicine. And just, um, you know, we'll we'll get to you in a second. I said, oh, this stuff isn't even working. This is going to be bad. And I'm thinking, what in the hell am I going to do when they stick this thing down my throat? But it was already done. I was thinking those thoughts after they were completed with the with the procedure. There was no sense of time passing, no sense of me being um, asleep. You know, when you wake up from being asleep, you kind of. Think, well, well, I slept a long time, or I only slept for a couple hours. You may be wrong, but you have a sense that you were asleep. With this stuff, there's nothing like that. When it's in your system, uh, it's almost as if you just put your brain in neutral and it's still functioning, but then it doesn't re-engage again until it comes out of your system, and then everything reboots, and you're just right where you were when when you left off. So, yes, our son had it. He was not intubated. They just had oxygen on him, and they watch you to make sure that your oxygen saturation stays elevated. Every once in a while, you have to intubate somebody emergently, but that's usually because there's a problem. You know, they're aspirating during the procedure or something like that. It's interesting. That was a good question. It's an excellent question. So what do they do, just rip them out? Just take a wrench and just rip well, it out? Well, they have these special wrenches that when you squeeze them, it, it, it does up and down motion. So yeah. you're not having to go in there and grab it like you would with a monkey wrench and then just sort of lift up. Because as soon as it came out, you would hit the upper mm-hmm. tooth, right? It doesn't work that way. These are they're special wrenches. They taught us nothing about dental stuff in medical school. So if a dentist wants to call in and talk about the mechanics of wisdom tooth removal, hell, we could have our across-the-street neighbor come in. Mm -hmm. He's the oral surgeon that actually operated on both Liam and me. So maybe we should do that sometime. Maybe we should. Let's ask him to come in. Okay. We'll have to record at, like, midnight because I think his schedule is insane. It's ridiculous. Guy lives across the street. I see him twice a year. It's right around Christmas. If he uh, puts out any decorations, which the last couple of years he's had somebody do it, and then Fourth of July he'll shoot off some fireworks every once in a while. We never see him otherwise. Mm-mm. The only time I see him is when I go to the office to have when a he's on his way to work. Tooth pulled, or if he's on his way to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, we got about two minutes. Hey, Dr. Steve. It's me, Randy, from Austin. Hey, man. Long-time listener, first-time caller. And I have a question about phimosis or the tightening of the foreskin. Yes. I never knew that this was really a problem until I got a little bit older in life and realized, you know, it was a problem. That's where you describe it. And I'm trying to see what is the best way I can deal with it. I did see some stretching techniques. And unfortunately, during this whole pandemic, this is the one year I decided to forget to sign up for health insurance. So, oh, no. Um, no health insurance, have phimosis, trying to see what I can do. Maybe there's a cream I can buy over the counter without a prescription or other stretching, or maybe even if it has to be circumcision. 
Thanks for the information. Yeah, Please man. put this on the podcast. I ended my series of film subscription a long time ago. Okay. Thank man. you. No problem. So this is where GVAC would have tried to get me in trouble with the intactivists back then in the day. He loved to do that on Twitter and on here say, well, Dr. Steve, you're in favor of uh, wholesale uh, uh, circumcision for all infant boys. <laughs> and I'm like, shut up. God, I got into it with them one time and I'm on their side. That's the crazy thing. I'm just not a maniac. Someone had simply asked me, what is the American Academy of Pediatrics stand on circumcision? So people ask me questions like this all the time. It's just an informational question. There was no opinion no opinion of mine. I just went and found the link and put it up there. And apparently that set off, you know, alarm bells in the intactivist community. And they just jumped all over me. And it's like, you know, I've talked on my show dozens of times that I think that it is a cosmetic procedure that's done without the consent of the patient. And, uh, and you know, I don't have any problem if you want to do it. And really, I don't have a problem with it. There's The data shows most people will not be benefited nor harmed. There will be a very small number of people that will benefit from it in, in the sense that they, you know, they won't have a they won't later on develop a phimosis, which is what we're going to talk about with this guy. Uh, or uh, there's a slight decrease in risk of uh, HPV mediated cancers like uh, penile cancer. I think hygiene when you're elderly, too. Yes, is, because it's much more difficult. Talk about that. You were um, I was a, a CPT, nurse assistant. Right? Yes, and um, and I would go and bathe people in their houses in college, and I had a lot of older men, and it really gave them heck that they weren't circumcised, and I would have to I would have to clean it, and it would be it would hurt them. Yeah, you know, and so I think that's why I wanted to have our children circumcised. Yeah, so. Just because of that reason. And it is, I mean, parents do have the, the, you know, the right to make that decision. It's just... Are you um, going to get in trouble again? No, it's okay. They have the right to make that decision. That's not questionable. <clears throat> Whether they should exercise that is what's arguable. Where they should exercise that right. But there are uh, some people who will be harmed from having a circumcision as yes. well. Mm -hmm. But that's also, when you look at this bell curve... Both of those things are way, way, way off to the edges of the bell curve. You know, everybody else is in the middle, and they'll be fine either way. So, um, but one of the issues with having a foreskin is sometimes you can get this thing called phimosis. Now, if you remember Sam Roberts, yes, who was the person who videotaped me, uh, that's when I first met Sam, he was running the video camera when I stuck my index finger up Pat Duffy's ass to uh, check his prostate live on the air. And I remember asking Sam, I don't mind if you videotape this. Just please don't get my face. And he didn't. So he was a, a very good young little feller. And now he's the professional broadcaster that he is. But he has talked multiple times about his circumcision as an adult. And... He his phimosis was so bad, and phimosis just narrowing of the foreskin so that you can't you can't retract it. 
His was so bad that when he would pee, his foreskin would balloon up like a, it would fill oh, up with urine terrible. like a balloon. And then it would just sort of dribble at the end. So he had to have it done. This wasn't something that you could fix with some home treatment. And uh, he said it was the most painful thing that he's ever had done. He was laid out for multiple days, and it was horrible. Now, uh, that was one of the arguments that we use, that if you have to do it as an adult, yeah, you might choose to do it, but you're not going to do it because the pain is so bad. It's not really a, a, a sort of a, an equal choice. Well, do I force a kid to have it when he's a kid or let him do it as an adult? Because once it, you get to being an adult— and the pain is so bad, nobody's going to do it. So it's not really a, a real choice. But that was then. Our buddy Jefferson the Shyster had a circumcision. We talked about it on the air, so I'm not speaking out of school. He played softball the next day because they've got a new, a new way of doing it, apparently. They stitched his up. And he said he didn't have any pain at all. None. So that is interesting. Mm-hmm. So that does kind of take away that argument that you need to do it when they're a kid because they won't do it as an adult. I think yeah. Jefferson has an amazing pain tolerance because do you remember that time we were at the beach and his foot was so sunburned? And he was like, I don't feel it. I don't even feel oh, it. Oh, maybe. Maybe and he just it, doesn't feel pain. It was maybe he's one of those people. The worst sunburn I've ever seen in my life. Was that when they got married? Mm, I believe so, yes. Yeah, that or the and, year after. He and his now wife just showed up at the... Um, to go to the beach with us and just announce we had no idea we're going to get married tomorrow in Charleston at the gazebo at Battle Park. And it's like, okay, I guess we're planning a wedding. <laughs> it was fun, though. Mm-hmm. It was fun. It was special. Old was Jarson. Nice. Mm-hmm. See, when you're from the part of Tennessee he's from, if your name is Jefferson, it's Jerson. Jerson. So. But, uh, yeah, so he had it, and, and that kind of took that away a little bit, uh, that argument that you need to do it as a, as a baby. But anyway, so if you have sort of a moderate, mild to moderate phimosis where it's just painful to, to retract it, what can you do? Well, you can have a circumcision, or you can go uh, and get a Novoglan, N-O-V-O-G-L-A-N. It's a gentle foreskin stretcher kit. I have not been able to find data on this um, for the cost and What's the cost? well let's see it says risk free 365 day money back guarantee wow that's something comes in a discreet white plain mailer bag okay uh let's see um let me see if i can get a cost on this okay it says fix it now i'm gonna go to that link and see how much it is oh it's not bad 140 142 bucks. So it looks like it's little balloon things that you stick in there. Oh, okay, I see what it is. It, it comes with a syringe and um, little balloony things. And you stick those on the end of the syringe and you uh, stick it in your foreskin and then you blow up the balloons. There's videos here too. I wonder what the efficacy. We need to see uh, if they have some data on efficacy on here they've got a bunch of testimonials but what do we know about the testimonials you can cherry pick those if you have a five percent placebo effect so five percent of people will get a benefit even though you're giving somebody a sugar pill i'm not saying that that's that this is a placebo but if you had something like that and um 
you treated a thousand people, how many would would re- achieve a benefit, taste at five percent? I'm not doing math. Okay, well, five percent of a hundred would be five, so five percent of a thousand would be fifty, right? Okay, I'm not. So doing when it. you sent out a survey and you get nine hundred and uh, nine hundred and fifty saying this stuff is crap, but you would get fifty people saying, well, this is. Yeah, this worked for me. So you just published their testimonials, those 50. Mm-hmm. And now you got 50. You just page and page and page, 50 testimonials saying that uh, so there's, there is a selection bias there. And when you read them, you go, wow, this stuff must be awesome. So that's one way that people can go- mess you up on this stuff. So I'm, I'm looking on PubMed.gov, which you can do. And I didn't find that, but I did find an article from... Um, in uh, international urology uh, called Long-Term Efficacy of Skin Stretching and a Topical cortico- uh, Corticoid Cream for Unretractable Foreskin. But this was in prepubertal boys. But then what they said was the study showed that local application of a potent corticoid cream, uh, that's just steroid cream, and skin stretching is a safe, simple, and effective long-term treatment for all types of unretractable foreskin in prepubertal boys. The efficiency of the treatment was not related to the age of the patient or the types of unretractable foreskin. So let's see if we can find it in adults. So I'm going to now search with the keyword adult and see what comes up. And then it comes up with the same article. So let's see. found one result. Oh. Oh, no, this is not the same article. Okay, so comparison of foreskin revision and circumcision in... uh, Okay, let me see. Hmm. Nope, this is not an article that we're interested in. So I don't have anything on adults, and I don't have anything on this Novo gland. So if you do decide to use it, it doesn't look like it would do any harm um, unless you tore your foreskin which would suck mm-hmm. that would hurt so follow their instructions and ask them when you if you do decide to order it if they've got any data on efficacy and then if you find out something send me something i just can't do it on the fly but anyway all right could have probably done it ahead of time but i didn't know that we'd get to this question today so i'll do some more studying okay all right mm-hmm. you got anything else nope well We can't forget Rob Sprantz or Robert Kelly, Greg Hughes or Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft, Lewis Johnson, Paul Ofcharsky, Eric Nagel, Roland Campos, Sam Roberts, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Matt Kleinschmidt, Ron Bennington, and Fez Watley, whose support of this show has never gone unappreciated, particularly Bob Kelly, if this bidet thing works out, because he was our go-to person for the bidet. (laughs) And uh, he gave us a lot of advice. I almost made him sick. When I asked him if if you went to the bathroom, yeah, and then I went to the bathroom, if your ass poop juice, juice yeah. would get squirted up you know, your ass, yeah, and and he's like, Ugh, uh. yeah, Bobby's pretty easy to make sick, which but is I fun. think that's a legitimate. question. It is a legitimate question. You want to know? Well, I don't have to restate the problem. You, I think you stated it pretty eloquently. But uh, if there's any cross contamination, and it doesn't seem to, unless somehow you, you know, accidentally defecated on the tube itself. So we're going to have to look at that and see how likely that would be. I don't think very likely. It's set back pretty far. But that would be gross. Now, my mom had one 
that was separate. She had a toilet, and then right next to it was the bidet. So she would get up from the toilet and then just transfer to the bidet and do her business that way. That's the fancy kind. Yeah, she was fancy. Mm-hmm. Listen to our uh, Sirius XM show on the Faction Talk channel, Sirius XM channel 103, Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern, on demand and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. And go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules and podcasts and other crap. Until next time, wash your stupid hands, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quit smoking, get off your asses, wear your face mask, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Did I get everything? I think so. Thanks, Thanks.